All right, Jack, we're back and better than ever. Welcome back to the Colin Thompson Show brought to you by Not For Long Media. We are coming to you live on Twitter, on YouTube, uh, not on Facebook. Thank you, Facebook. And we are hanging out uh, and we're really excited to have the great Mark Farzetta join the show. Uh, Mark is someone who was born and raised, I shouldn't say born, but raised in my hometown of Doylestown, Pennsylvania. And then went on to uh, go to Archbishop Wood, where I went to school. And then went on to Temple, where I went to school. And we have a lot in common. Obviously, where we gra- schools we graduated from, towns we grew up in. And Mark has had a ton of success in the Philly sports media scene. A true, true grinder. Uh, this episode's not all about just what it takes to be a sports media person. Just what it takes to have success. Mark was very gracious with his time. So a really fun episode with Mark we're going to put on the back end of our introduction like we usually do with me and Jack uh, yeah so Mark again can't thank you enough for your time what a true pro uh, someone does it the right way in this industry and now his own show the Farzy show every morning Monday through Friday I believe 6 to 7 a.m uh, could be wrong there but I, I know it's early in the morning and maybe an hour or two hours so t- covers really all sports but primarily Philly sports and does a great job with it so Mark again thank you for joining the show everything we do your guys brought to you by our friends over at the original fudge kitchen I was there this past weekend holy cow man they're getting things ready for Easter it is popping off in there so Easter this year no better gift since I'm a chocolate bunny I had a chocolate Easter bunny Jack fudge was amazing amazing getting me in the uh, Easter spirit here so again fudge kitchen they ship fudge sweet treats all those goodies across the country check out their website fudgekitchens.com all right jack how you doing buddy how was your weekend pal it was splendid i got to spend my friday evening with a couple of cool guys at uh gall and co in port richmond philadelphia ah yes the sam boners took their show on the road went down to gall and co shocker bar of the week this week this place was tremendous i'll just jump right ahead and do the bar of the week now i mean jack you know a big bar goer like myself but you do like going to you know having wings chicken tenders not boneless wings you like to go you know you know what a good bar looks like that place is unbelievable yeah it was just absolutely tremendous it's truly unique i mean we'll talk about but i mean it's, it is in a old church so it the ceilings were tremendously high you actually had like Booths there were several. I think they said they weren't pews anymore, but it looked like pews just how it was. The stage that we were on was the altar. You could see like the back room and everything that was like the altar boys' room and everything like that. So it was just a really cool setup. Obviously, they had a bunch of TVs surrounding the bar, but I mean, yeah, it was definitely unique. I don't know if there's really any other place set up like it. I mean, I don't know how many former bars or former churches turned bars there are in our great country, but I can't imagine there's too many. This place right in Port Richmond was unbelievable. So bar of the week this week on the Colin Thompson show brought to you by our friends over at the original fudge kitchen, fudgekitchens.com is none other than gall and co Mount house, malt house. Excuse me. We're going to redo that whole thing. Jack, my dog's in the room now. So we have a puppy in the family now and she has now entered the, the room. Usually she's upstairs hanging, but my wife's running some errands. So she's you know looking for some love and, some adoration, I'm giving it to her. So, again, the bar of the week this week on the Colin Thompson Show is malt. Jeez, I'm all over the place. Is <laughs> Gall and Co. The bar of the week this week on the Colin Thompson Show is Gall and Co. 
malt house in Port Richmond, Philadelphia. This place was unbelievable. I said to somebody today on the phone, I said, I think it's a top five bar I've ever been to in my entire life. First off, the bar, huge square bar, really cool, really fun, really accessible, a lot going on. Second, they have these huge church pews for people to sit at and have meals at. They have big dining area. They have games for kids. They just have a ton, absolutely a ton going on for things to do for like families to go and eat or just to go there with friends and watch games. You really can't beat it. So absolutely love the place. The wings, the food was incredible. Like unbelievable. The cheesesteaks were ridiculous. The Kabasi cheesesteak was amazing. Guy Fieri's been there before. The wings were just ridiculously well-flavored and seasoned and they brined them in pickle juice. Like it was something ridiculous. Everything was above and beyond what you expect. Service was great. So for me, Gall and Cole Mount, Gall and Co. Malt House, Port Richmond, Food and Ambiance, five, cold beer, four, TVs, five, and a service, five. This place, shout out to Matt and his team there, took care of the Sam Boners and I, us, Jack. It was, it was great. It, to me, it's a top five, top 10 bar I've ever been to. What a cool little area, Port Richmond, too. So it was cool, Jack. Warmed my heart a little bit. I walked out, they have the, you know, the playground across the street. There's a basketball court. There's two kids playing hockey on it. Brought their own net, brought their own sticks, the whole nine. I was like jacked up about that. You know, it's not a huge, it's not a crazy sport, right? In America, like it is. It's, I mean, the U.S. hockey team now is loaded with players. It's taken off. Don't get me wrong, but warm my heart a little bit, Jack. To be honest with you, warm my heart a little bit. Remind me of my childhood, Jackie. Were you playing hockey growing up, Jack? I, I love street hockey, but I have a That's infamous. I have an infamous, terrible sense of center balance. I just, I like terrible riding but i could not skate like none of that i love terrible like, riding bike yes can you ride? i can bike? do it i can i can yes i'm just not very good at it okay but no it's so yeah i love we love playing street hockey like in elementary school like we had like forget what it was called but like we would play in our, like our cafe gymatorium like we had like little hockey five on fives like an hour after school like once a week in the winter, it was like the best part of everybody's week was just playing the hockey. We'd play in the street sometimes. Yeah, I was a big street hockey type guy. But dude, after really... school program when I was a kid, amazing. Like I, my parents, right? For parents that you can't go home or whatever, my parents would like your first couple of years, right? When you're younger, first through third grade, fourth grade, the bus drops you off, right? And my parents aren't home for work for another four hours or three hours. So they go to after school program, they feed you a snack and you play sports the whole time. Are you kidding me? Time you like spend like 30 minutes doing your homework and then you shoot hoops for the next two and a half hours with all your friends. Like that was the greatest. That was huge for my athletic development. Let me just say that. I would just, it was massive. Every day you're playing sports for three hours, no matter what, with a group. So I didn't live in like a neighborhood, big neighborhood per se. It was a couple houses and it wasn't stacked with kids. Still some friends from today, which is crazy. It's been a while, yeah. but. I yeah. could I could have talked to them. I mean that that's the unique part of our group. Like our elementary group is still all around. I, it's like they all live in a neighborhood, and I live like directly next to the neighborhood. And as we were growing up, there's a big field that was like perfect for football. So we always play football there. There's a basketball court like right down the street. We play basketball at, and we still the elementary school that we went to is torn down, replaced brand new. It looks like a high school to be honest. Like it's probably bigger than CB West right now to be quite honest with you. And they put brand new basketball courts up, and we still play same kids since like fourth grade. We still play basketball there like once a week. I love it. Jack in the back, shooting jumpers from deep like Joel and B. I, if, if, if anybody wants to see my jump shot, look back like 
four months to when I was on the court for a free throw contest at Sixers. Worst jump shot you've ever seen. I I love playing basketball. I can't. I I'm better, way better defense than I'm at offense by a country mile. Big effort guy. Good job, Jack. I love that. I'm proud Big that, I'm proud that you're a part of not from home media if you're an effort defender. Okay. I thought this was interesting, Jack. I saw this on uh, Athletic before we jumped on. This is big news for the NFL. NFL owners voted to allow physical sportsbook to operate on game days starting with 2023 season. League sources tell the Athletic the vote occurred Monday with NFL owners meetings in Scottsdale, Arizona. Here's what they found. Uh, let's see. Revenue from the sports books will not be shared with other teams up until a certain threshold believed to be around 20 million and then pooled with the other 31 clubs for any money that exceeds that bar. Very interesting. The move in the latest sign of NFL's growing to embrace legalized gambling, the Washington commanders are the only team with a brick and mortar sports, sports book in their stadium, though the Arizona Cardinals and the New York giants and jets have one outside their venue. So I think teams are going to be building brick and mortar very quickly inside their stadiums. If, if you can get casino, if you can get sports betting, if you can get any sort of gambling inside of an establishment, you saw what happened when it was legalized in Jersey. If you went into a casino in Atlantic city, they were just literally putting like pieces of paper with the lines on them, like small pencils for people to check off what they want and windows for you to gamble in with a couple 40 inch screen TV. TVs on the wall. Now the sports books there are insane. They're unbelievable to go watch games at. I mean, people parade down there for March Madness. The sports gambling is, I don't know if saved Atlantic City, but it's kept it afloat. I'm assuming for someone who doesn't know about a little lot about the area, but a little bit. Uh, it's pretty interesting stuff. So who's it going to affect? The shift affects only the teams and states with legalized sports gambling. Slightly more than 33 states and Washington, D.C. allow sports betting, encompassing roughly 17 NFL franchises. The biggest states not yet to have it are Texas, Florida, California. So huge NFL brands in those states, obviously, which eight NFL teams, more than half the league's clubs, uh, will not allow sports betting in their state. So some of those are on state lines. It's going to be interesting to see. I'm just reading the article from The Athletic. Athletic's amazing. Love subscribing to them. But an interesting thing that I just saw here, Jack, what are your thoughts on initially as a fan? Are you a sports gambling guy? I feel like I am contractually obligated to say yes to that question. Not by not for long media, but as with part of the Ross Tucker football. Well, you don't podcast. have to be, Jack, honestly. So, okay, DraftKings Sportsbook, yeah, they they take care of Ross Tucker pod. But that doesn't mean – and you're, you're the producer for it and do everything, man, per usual like you are for us. But that doesn't mean – you could be honest, right? Like, do you gam- – like – you, you could say yes or no or no comment, but I, like, as you're a fan, are you like, would you go and say you're going to an Eagles game? Would you go in there and say, Hey, listen, I'm going to put, I'm going to get in line here and I'm going to put 10 bucks on the Eagles today. Would you do that? Does that get you, give you a thrill or no? Yeah. I mean, I'm not like a heavy gambler just because, you know, being a college student in America, I don't really have much money to throw around, but I mean, one of the best, like when I'm going to like a Sixers game or like Eagles, wherever I've been going, like our Phillies in the summer, it's like it adds more fun to it. It keeps you engaged more. Like I don't go anything crazy. Like if anything, it's like, oh, like the most when I go out my friends, like we'll put $5 on like money line or whatever. And then we'll do like a parlay of like, eat, like hit a home run, hits. So, over so, so casual, points. so a casual, yeah. you know, fan gambler. That's cool. No, it's interesting. I just, it's obviously not my world as a player, but to see, I think it's, I think it's going to be big. I think when you're over like in Europe watching soccer, there's no sports book. The teams are the sports book. You go in there and that's 
Again, I've never experienced that. It was not like that at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium for what I saw. But several of my friends that I've gone there before said that this is how you gamble over there. They enjoy that more, of course, because it's just something different. But, yeah, it's just food for thought. It's not, no big segment for us, but lots to discuss. Shots and giggles, guys, the premier bar in Key West, Florida. Locals hanging out, shopping it up. You may be sitting next to a, you know, uh, a billionaire. You may be sitting next to someone who just – you know, fishers for a living. You may be sitting next to the best bartender in down. You may be sitting next to a diehard Eagles fan. You may be sitting next to a diehard Cowboys fan. It is an awesome place with people from all different backgrounds. Super nice, super friendly. The best bartenders and the best owners owners in Stephen Hanya in the world. Love it down there. I miss it. Hopefully I can get down there mid-April for the Blue Angels. So lots to discuss always at Shots and Giggles, especially during football season. But in the offseason, you can't beat it. It's the NFC East bar, so always something for everybody, whether you're an NFC East fan or you're a hater of one of those teams. Somebody always hates the Eagles. Somebody always hates Cowboys. You know, so uh, it's a great place to fun, chop it up, have a great time. Really great location right off the ball street, right behind Sloppy Joe's. Check them out, shotsandgigglesKW.com. All right, Jack, March Madness thoughts. I did terrible, man. I did. I had – I knew nothing about – I think we talked about this before. I really knew nothing about March Madness going into the season. I kind of took all of my picks on a whim just based on my ideologies about certain seedings, making it far, certain – like I don't like having too many one seeds go far, which worked out well for me this year. But I had Virginia in my final four, and I think they're like the second game they lost. Yeah, I had Kansas State winning it all, which was great for me until they, made, they lost in the Elite Eight. But that was a great run for me. But every other team I had eliminated, Whoa. I think – Kansas State and like Gonzaga were the two teams I had making it to the Elite Eight that actually made it that far. I'm sure everybody's bracket is completely busted by this yeah. point. Because I, I, mean, I got lucky with UConn, right? I again, I just read a, an article and I just liked that team. And but I didn't watch them in the regular season, Jack. And, the, and these people that are doing well, they didn't watch any of these games in regular season. You can't. Your mind won't. Your mind will lie to you. There's no way you sit down logically and say, "I'm going to take this team here." So. Credit to, I mean, it's been, it's, it's great. And there's a lot to break down in it. We don't really go too far on it. I saw Seth Greenberg on ESPN yesterday. Really good, interesting topic from him. There's no one and done players in this final four. There's no freshman. There's no all American. And it's really all built through like program established players and a couple of players in a transfer portal, which I think is awesome. Like that's, Everyone's complaining, right? It's so funny. Everybody complains about everything, right? And then you get on shows and everyone talks about people complaining about stuff, right? Because that's just how it is. But my point is, at the end of the day, that's a great recipe for people complaining about NIL, people complaining about programs and blue bloods always making it. And we need a mix up. It's always Duke, UNC, Kentucky, and Kansas. Well, you got it. Don't complain about it now. You know, so I think it's all good. You got to take it for what it's worth. There's a lot. To unpack, right? We're not going to go through all these games. We're not going to unpack it because it's, it's just ridiculous. There's so many games. It's the best time of year. So it was a great, yeah. great point. I think I saw a stat. It was like the total number of Final Four appearances by these four teams this year is nine. Five of them are UConn, just in previous entries. And then the other four, literally every team making it this year. So it's it's great. Quite- it's unique. It's it's been It's been fun to watch for sure. I'll say this, Jack. We are in a sweet spot in the sports calendar. I think it's the best time of year. Because if you go to the football season, which is unbelievable, right? College football, NFL, it's never ending. There's no championships until like the new year. So you have like five months of season, which is great. It's fun. NBA starts then. 
MLB's winding down. That's like your one championship. NBA's rocking and rolling, getting started just after the NHL, I believe. So that's a great time. It's an exciting time, but it's not like what's about to happen. You got March Madness. March and early April. You have the NBA playoffs. You have the NHL playoffs. You have the Masters. You have the NFL draft. If you're a Premier League fan and Champions League fan, they both finish up. Kentucky Derby. And then move to the Summer College World Series. So, And then obviously baseball season starting. So you, you, you have, to me, this is the best time of year. You have major championships across all major sports. If you're a baseball fan, college baseball has been unreal so far. Check out Breaking Bats. We talked about it on there. There's a lot, to, obviously, with the MLB and spring training and then uh, the World Baseball Classic. That was fantastic. So there's just a lot going on. To me, it's the sweet spot in the calendar every year. Buckle up. It started with March Madness, and it's an absolute tremendous run. From when the Super Bowl ends, there's a gap, and then March Madness starts, and it's chaos until midsummer. You take a break. There's a little drama sometime in the summer in the NFL, and boom. Right back at it. College football's got 80 games on the first weekend in one city, and we're rocking and rolling. Really? Yeah, I mean, I definitely, it's nice being in the downswing of football after for a very lengthy season, working in it from a media perspective, getting able to enjoy the other sports while the draft is ramping all that stuff. So it's so exciting. I mean, the NFL, I mean, this is by far the most entertaining start of the offseason. Usually, like these couple of weeks, is like when things die down a bit, but really seems like it hasn't skipped a beat in terms of holding the media's attention for the last several weeks. Yeah, really has. The NFL, <laughs> between Aaron Rodgers and Lamar Jackson, I mean, I, I can't I can't watch ESPN anymore as my dog comes trampling in here. ESPN or, or not, you know, I love NFL Network, like these great shows, and they're doing a great job trying to talk about something else, but it's hard not to, right? Like, it's really hard not to talk about what's going on in the world today of sports. Cause they're the two, I mean, two f- former MVPs, like two generational talents in the NFL and they're both in the move. So there's a lot to discuss there. And I personally want to get into all, but I just can't professionally. It's really hard for me. Like it's easy for me to talk amongst my friends at a bar and be like, Hey, this is what I think is going to happen here. What's going to happen there. But for me professionally to make a comment about what's going to happen with a player, I don't really like to dabble in that woods. But Jack, what do you think happens with Lamar Jackson? Jack. I just feel like all signs are pointing towards Lamar Jackson ending up back in Baltimore. They have the not they have whatever it is, the franchise tag. It's not an exclusive franchise. No, I think it's really called a non-exclusive franchise tag. But I mean, every team that has come out and it's been linked to Lamar have pretty much said, now nah, we're good. Washington literally said like two days ago, we're fine, Sam Howell and Jacoby Brissett. Indianapolis said, we are interested in our team. We don't want to give a fully guaranteed contract. Atlanta earlier today committed to Desmond Ritter as their starter. There are really no other teams out there that need a quarterback. New York is not straying away from Aaron Rodgers. That's just not how they're going to roll. I mean, who else is out there that needs a quarterback? Tampa Bay? Tampa Bay seems to be fine with going in with Kyle Trask and Baker. Like, it doesn't really seem like any – I would say funny season, Jack. I wouldn't believe all what you read, buddy. I just my thing is though with teams and open negotiations the quarterback, I feel like it's never been this blatantly all teams going out and saying no we're good right away. I mean when else have you ever seen so many teams say that about a quarterback? 
I'll say this. This is what I'm going to say. That was a hell of an intro. I'll say this. This is what I'm going to say. <laughs> Real professional. I'll, I'll say this, Jack. I think that he ends up with the Ravens or after the draft, a team is on the cusp of being good and moving out of the top 10, the top 15 draft picks where you're going to get the blue chip players where if they have a good year, they're going to be out of that pool and they're going to be a playoff team. So a bad team or average team this year, that could be a playoff team that has a little bit of cap space. They're going to draft a blue chip player because they found themselves with a top 15 pick. And then the following two years, they're going to forfeit their next draft picks and go get Lamar. That's would be my, that that's to me, that's no hot take or anything. I just think that's what would happen. Obviously, two options, right? But I don't think it's like before that. I don't know if a team would give up. Who knows? I just think we have no idea. And to sit here and say we think this and that is crazy. I always tell people, fans, friends, Jack, everyone who's involved and wants to be involved with the NFL. I've been extremely blessed to be involved with it. It's been my childhood dream and goal, and I've been blessed to make it. I hope I continue to play. Read 10% of it. Whatever you read and listen to is 10% of it's true. 10%. Like, can you watch a coach's press conference? People really think that's gospel. Now, I know some fans are like, ah, but they still, at the end of the day, refer back to it. It's like, oh, you see the coach's mood? <laughs> He's pissed. It's like, you don't know. Like, it's all facade. There's so much that that is 0.001% of the coach's day, GM's day, whoever's answering the questions. They aren't giving anybody anything. And not even for competitive advantage. It's just like, yeah, that's my take on all of it. Guys, shout out to our friend SeatGeek, Colin Thompson. Use that promo code, 20 bucks off your tickets for 50 bucks. Hit that up. All these baseball games going on, you want to get 20 bucks off. Check them out. Jack, I know you want to talk about promo code Colin Thompson, SeatGeek. You want to talk about your boys over Fanatics, Michael Rubin, taking shots. What do you got, Jack, in the back? What do you have to say right now if Michael was on the show? I am extremely disappointed. Something I've been vocal about for quite some time. I have been extremely disappointed in the NHL's decision to move forward with Fanatics. I, I think this is also just a fault of NHL really not being as profitable to these other brands. But it's just hurt because Fanatics is much Fanatics for every, somebody who lives under Rock. Fanatics is a clothing apparel brand, specifically sports. And they pretty much control, if you go to like the Eagles team shop, 95% of team shots across all big four sports are run by Fanatics. They are notorious for, they just, their quality in the sum it up is probably the worst I've seen of any sports gear ever. It's, I've seen multiple people, because I'm a big Jersey guy. So like I go on like Jersey, like subreds, and people will like, they will do tests and they will order the same Jersey three times. And one out of the three jerseys will always be messed up in one significant way. The player's last name will be spelled wrong. There will be a wrong number. It'll be must missing something significant. The alignment of things will be wrong. The screen printed jerseys are terrible quality and they upcharge them much more. I mean, like the Adidas screen printed jersey, they sold $70 back in 2015 or whatever. Those were, I mean, they were screen printed jerseys, but it was like a nice vinyl pressed. These is just like, they are not great quality and it's just, they are starting to lower their quality and spread themselves too thin. And I don't like it. And it just seems like it's not good. I mean, NHL stuff has been atrocious in terms of quality. And I just, I mean, for example, the NFL, 
Nike, they've been trying to release throwback jerseys that got approved last year. A lot of the stuff couldn't get done because Fanatics didn't have enough stock in place to get them out. That's also a Nike issue, but it was between the both of them. Phillies couldn't wear baby blue jerseys until like June last year because they couldn't get enough shipment in time. Eagles, Kelly Green, they literally said it was because I think it was Tampa Bay literally came out and said, we cannot produce the creamsicle jerseys this year because of supply issues. Well, that's not on Fanatics. But they're the supplier. I mean, they're not the supplier, though. There's a supplier before the supplier where they get the jerseys from. That's the issue, Jack. That's a global issue. All right. Well, again, this is like issue number seven of like my stuff with Fanatics. I I get it. They haven't shown me anything. And this is my last thing. And I want you to take over. It's just the alarm. They have not shown a commitment to make a better quality good. Now, I'm not saying they got to come out here and make like old school Mitchell and Ness, but even Mitchell and Ness, they bought out Mitchell and Ness, a company that is known for throwback jerseys of extremely high quality. Now, they have a premium price to it, which is fair. They're very good. They're so they're expensive. Fanatics immediately dipped the quality and changed their stitching quality to iron on stuff from purely stitched, and they kept the price and probably made about $30 cheaper. It's they are ruining the integrity of sporting goods, in my honest opinion. And I hope Michael Rubin, like maybe the NHL and seeing this stuff, maybe he comes out and makes great authentic jerseys. I don't know. But and I would hope to see it change. I would love to see a massive company make goods this way. But everything that's shown me, it's no bueno. Interesting points on fanatics and Michael Rubin. Personally, I think they're going to do a fantastic job for the NFL. And here's why. Excuse me, for the NHL. And here's why. It is extremely important for them to do really well because the players are going to give instant feedback. And nowadays, people give feedback publicly right away. So Nike, they make our jerseys. The ones we put on our backs when we play. There is nothing, even like an authentic jersey that you can buy online like the jersey we put on their back you wouldn't sell them you it pans wouldn't even be comfortable in them there, there's no such thing they're not even remotely close so whatever fanatics makes for fans whatever nike adidas he's under armor they're not even remotely close to the player's jersey that we put on they're like completely different things they're night and day so i am sure fanatics will be in contact with tons of people to try to find a way to get the best product on these players back. So the players enjoy it. And it's a win-win for fanatics, the NHL and the players. Cause it's what at the end of the day, it's all about like their deal. Yes. is publicly to have that fanatics logo on the Jersey, but also if it's a bad product and the players hate it, the NHL will just say we're out. So I don't think that's going to be the case. Th- that's a whole, th- there's two separate issues. That's what I'm saying, Jack, compared to what the players are going to wear on their backs and what the fans are going to put on their backs. So it's a business and I'm sure cost wise, it's less for them. And that's why jerseys are made that way. All yeah. I will say is if we ever revisit this conversation, you are not allowed to make a rebuttal how, about how great they are until at least 2025, because one part of it is they are still going to be using the Adidas they basically came out and said it's the factory that makes the Adidas jerseys for the on ice. I think, I think I know it's at least on ice. I don't know if it's the high quality retail versions. They are keeping the exact same factory as Adidas, just swapping out the logos. And then 2026 or whatever, they're changing everything over. So I don't want it. I get your point. I hope it's right. 
but you're not allowed to rebuttal and say you were right until 2026. Just a little we got up. breaking news, Jack. NFL play. Look, you go on to Twitter. NFL players can wear number zero next season. What are your thoughts, Jackie? Big news. It's going to be all over. It's going to be big time. What do you got for me, Golick and Greeny? What do you got? Let's go to national radio for this one. This will be the talk all day tomorrow on radio. Probably. And oh. I'm not, fool- like I said, I'm not against changing the rule. I just don't like how zero looks on football jerseys. I used to wear it, double zero in hockey, by the way. It, it doesn't. Basketball, I mean, I have to do. Basketball seems like the only sport where a zero can be pulled off well. Like Damian, I mean, these are probably the two, one great and the terrible comparison. Damian Lillard and Spencer Hawes, because they're the first people that come to my mind when I think of zero and double zero. Double zero looks a little weird in basketball, but single zero is fine in my opinion. I just don't know how it's going to look on football jerseys. I know college does it. I really haven't seen it. Actually, I think Oregon, I might have seen a zero. It just doesn't look right. It's weird, in my honest opinion. And maybe I'll grow to it. I mean, I'm not saying it's the worst thing to happen. It's really not that big a deal. I'm all for it. It's just, I don't know. Like, How do you feel if like your quarterback just trotted out wearing number zero? It just doesn't oh, fit right with me. I could care less. I, the only position I see it fit, I can see a wide receiver – or running back wearing zero. I can't see like a defensive end. And I'm trying to think, well, numbers were single digits, tight ends, quarterbacks. I don't see any of them wearing zero. A wide receiver running back are the only ones I can see a number zero in. Is zero even a number? I, technically, it is because I was literally looking it up. It's a rational number. It is a because it has Nothing. like an integer to it. Zero. Poof. We can't count it. Uh, I don't care what guys wear, honestly. Um, I thought everyone made a bigger deal about the the only issue I'll say is is players don't wear to, like linebackers are allowed to wear like five and then the safeties are allowed to wear like a 50 You're, like 45 well then Brady brought it up too like who's the Mike who's the Sam like that that's a issue you got to fit it's on a nor- some players playing our safeties playing in linebacker numbers and then sometimes a linebackers wearing a safety number so or a DB number. So you kind of got to know who the heck the guys are before you'd be able to know the numbers a little bit and be like, hey, this guy's so-and-so. So that's something to keep an eye on. I thought that was something that's been interesting. I bet there's been a mistake or two a year, maybe a little bit more. Oh, there's been more on, hey, is that the corners, at the safety? Who am I blocking here? Especially the tight end position, how you're navigating things with the fullback, et cetera. So that's the only issue for me with the number changing. But whatever numbers you want, rock it, Jack. We're coming to you live here. Jack Connell, what do you think about the numbers? Bring it on down. Uh, guys, Psalm sleep, the best sleep in the world. Get up, rock, kick ass the next day. Promo code Colin. Remember, SeatGeek, promo code Colin Thompson for the tickets. It's ticket season now. Baseball games, concerts, the whole nine this summer's coming. You heard the just ridiculous number of events coming up on the sports calendar. Actions over words, apparel.com. Check them out. Always donating a profit of their proceeds to the charity of their choice. Anything else, Jackie? We should send it over to the, old, the great Mark Farzetta, Archbishop Wood alum, Temple alum. I don't know. I feel like we kind of covered everything. I feel like the Jersey-related issues were kind of the, oh, I'm, I'm curious for you, Paul. Yesterday, it was announced that Dave Scott would be retiring at the end of the year as the governor of the Philadelphia Flyers and the old boys club. The governor. Course, yes. And according to President Crossing Broad, I think, no, they officially call him the governor. Is what the gov. Okay, him. continue. And according to our friends over at Crossing Broad, there are reports that Bobby Clark, uh, like I forget who the other two are, the other two members of the boys club 
will be allowed in the organization, but they are not going to be senior advisors moving forward. They're going to be more like a celebratory, like, thank you for your service role. It is such a crying shame the Flyers are what they are. They're one of the worst teams in sports. Think about that. The Philadelphia Flyers, that brand, is one of the worst teams in sports. It hurts to say. I, I'm i going to have to just bl- not look. But I can't. We have group text built in. I'm going to play fantasy hockey. Like, what? It's a shame. The NHL playoffs are going to be, oh, every year, the best. Every year, I think it's the best. Top two, top three championships in all of sports. But man, it's, it's, there's no, they better, they have to get Bedard. They have to, if they get the, if they get him, there's hope. If not, they are done. They have to go three, four years of a tank. You just lost your franchise goaltender. He's going to be 29 by then it's over. So they have to get the first pick, maybe land one of these other studs that has to come in and play right away and be dominant or they're done. They're done. So it's a shame. It's hard for me to talk about Jack. I hate it, man. I, I I absolutely hate it. So we'll see. We'll see what happens. What else? I'm going to finish up with one other thing, and it slipped my mind. Oh, God, whatever. Lay back, relax episode with Jack in the back today, as always. Jack, thanks for all you do. Again, not for long media. Check out all our podcasts. I appreciate everybody at our team working their freaking asses off. All those social media clips, all the posting, all the sponsorship. Shout out to everyone at Gall. Shout out to Mick, the Sam Boners, for a great event there. And appreciate everybody tuning in. Really do. It's been a great ride. It's been a great ride. We have a bunch of new episodes coming up soon. We have some big time guests coming up in the future. So thanks, Jack. Thank you, team. Hope everybody is doing great. And we're going to send it over to Mark Farzetta. Thanks, Mark. Then I spilled my espresso as I was coming down the steps. Then I went back to remake the espresso, spilled the beans I freshly ground into the actual dispenser and i was like the fuck and i looked in the mirror to see if my face was drooping it was the weirdest fucking chain of events brother holy shnikes anyway how are you i'm great i'm great we are recording but we are not live so we're not really technically recording we'll edit this out i don't care okay we'll keep it in then because that's the fun in it we'll catch up and just go live (laughs) so my piping hot fresh espresso Okay, so how many cups of coffee or how many cups of espresso per day for the great Mark Farzetta? Um, four. I'll generally have one how before many? four. Four. Four, four. four espresso. Four, four espressi. Um, I'll have uh, one before my show, and then I'll have one uh, with the kids. And when I say the kid, I don't mean like my three-year-old is having an espresso. I mean she's having her orange juice and I'm having the espresso. And uh, then I'll usually have like one in the middle of the day and then a little bit maybe later, right before I go pick the kids up um, uh, from school and whatnot. So I stopped drinking coffee um, one particular Lent because I wanted to see if like it's just better for you to not drink. Like if I drink coffee, I drink coffee all day. If I have espresso, I'll have espresso and then I'll have water and then I'll have espresso maybe later. But if I'm drinking coffee, I'm drinking like seven to eight cups a day. And that's crazy. What time do you get up for your show? Like 4, 4.30, yeah. And then when do you go live? Uh, 6 o'clock. And why is 6 o'clock the right window for you? Six Because mm, the vast majority of my career has been for a morning audience. So I figured the best time for me to hit is that morning show time. Uh, but in today's day and age, obviously, not only can you have it live at 6, 
but you could come back and watch the repeat at seven, eight, nine. Download the podcast. You can have that whenever you want. Um, but I figured it was best to just be out first thing in the morning and also in the audience that knows me the best. Do you find as a father that makes makes life a little bit easier? Uh, yes and no. It makes it easier because I'm done the show. I'm done the content creation by the time the kids are up. You know, the kids are just getting up. My wife's up with them. It's great. Um, but then I'm done the content creation portion. And then they go to school and, you know, then you just do what you got to do after that. But uh, uh, if I got to record something, if something breaks in the middle of the day, I can do that. That's great. Um, the no part of it is that when the games are on, I'm up watching the games and I'm up late. And it's difficult when the kids are getting ready for bed and the games are just starting. Like the Sixers game, 7 o'clock tip off is and it happens all the time. 7 o'clock is the most common time for anything and for an East Coaster. And when the Kids are getting ready for bed. I'm trying to concentrate on the the way the Sixers are starting Joel or the Embiid. way the Flyers are starting. I'm trying to concentrate on Joel Embiid. I'm trying to concentrate on how Aaron Nola looks at that given time, you know? So that part sucks. But, you know, it, it is what it is. I mean, I'm not the first person to do a show and have kids at the same time. Like, that's not yeah. – so I'm not yeah, – I'm, I'm far from complaining. And you get to walk down your basement or where's your studio? It's in the basement. Yeah. It's yeah. In the basement. Yeah. So the you know, there's a lot of the, uh unpack there. First off, central time's the greatest time in the world. Because <laughs> they, my you know in laws yeah. it is fantastic. My in-laws live in Houston. When we go to Houston, six o'clock, the games start, and by eight thirty, they're done. Oof. And it is fantastic. Like I just get up, we go to bed earlier there, we get up earlier there, everything's just nicer. Obviously, we're an hour behind. It is pleasant. It is super pleasant. Now, in Baltimore, we live in Annapolis now. Okay. Baltimore, they're moving the games up to 6.30 to allow, okay. I think, the sun to kind of be up when the games are over still for safety reasons, but I think it's okay. brilliant. I think they should seriously think about the 6.30 slot, 6 o'clock start. People are slot. People are done work at 5, kids. Boom. I, I think yeah. it – I personally think it would be a great commitment. Now, sponsors may not think so, but <laughs> I think more people will watch. I think it would be well, something at least to mix in. Well, first of all, I love Annapolis. Annapolis is such a great – I don't know if you know this, but my mom's family is from Baltimore. So, like, Annapolis was a popular spot to jump down to and, and hang with them classy people uh, yeah. as opposed to, you know, from where my family's from. But um, but yep. uh, my mom's family, at least. But I uh, I love Annapolis. And then second, as far as the time difference goes, when I worked for Sunday Night Football, I loved, especially as an East Coast guy, loved the West Coast games because you could catch a red eye out if you wanted to, if you had to be back early the next day, which I always had to be. Um, but there was the rare occasion where we would have like a Saturday game, like in the playoffs, for instance, for wild card weekend, we might have a Saturday game. We'd be done the game by eight 30. We'd be out partying in San Francisco back in the day. We'd be out in San Diego. We'd be hitting in and out burger. Um, we'd be out like Seattle games. We'd be out after the game, just having ourselves a, a great time. And I used to love those West Coast games on the schedule because I knew afterwards we were going to go out and have ourselves a time. I know, man. They're <laughs> a hell of a time, too, on a side Oof. note. Oof. That's a, a great, great, great Love San Love San Diego. I don't know if I could live in the rest of San Francisco. I get it. I mean, the rest of California, I get it. It's beautiful. If I played for a team, no problem. Sign me up. I'm free agent, <laughs> folks. I love to play for them. But San Diego, 
is, is just a beautiful place. So Mark Barthead is joining oh. the show. We had an app. We were just chopping it up, having a good time. Everything we do here, guys, is brought to you by the original Fudge Kitchen, shipping fudge and sweet treats, not uh, sweet treats across the country, fudgekitchens.com. All right. So Mark's joining us. Mark and I have a ton in common. Archbishop Wood graduates, Temple graduates, Philly media people, uh, I guess you could say, sports media people. Uh, but I want to go back to day one, little Mark. <laughs> and, and you know what? It's fun for these because I do a lot of different shows. It's like you do. But yeah. for me, it's more I do a pre-show. We talk for 20 minutes about what's going on. And then I attach it to an interview. So this is the interview portion that will come out next week. Uh, last week in March and a huge fan, your role model mine. And that's weird. I'm in this territory now. It's like role model friend, like Harry Mays and Jason Martinez work for us and not for long media work with us. So it's like these guys like mentored me and brought me in a 97 by the fanatic. And now like I'm selling marketing for him. So it's very <laughs> unique in that aspect, but I want to go back to young Mark. Okay. Where'd you grow up? Why Archbishop Oof. Wood Oof. and your time there are, are proud, proud. We're proud alums. Now, where did you go to grade school? I am from Doylestown. So right. I went to a public grade school, oh, you okay. middle school. And then because I played CYO Romans, Mount Carmel, Our Lady Mount Carmel football, I worked out on a Roman shirt today too. Uh, <laughs> I, My friends are all like, we're going to this place called Archbishop Wood. I'm like, dude, I want to go play basketball at CB East. Why would I go there? And the Wood coaches were like, you should just come play here and check it out. And they just gave me a little bit of love. Not a lot. Everyone like makes this whole thing that would recruited at the time. And no. And I was like, well, let me reach out to the CBE's football coach and see what he has to say. Hmm. So I reached out to him. I went down to the athletic director's office, Mr. Rittenhouse, eighth grade, Holly Kong middle school. Oh my God. Yeah. And I shot him an email and I, he got back to me the next day and I still have it printed out and it's in one of these boxes here. It used to be up on my wall. But was, I just asked, hey, can I come see the facility? Can I come walk through and see practice with the team? Like all questions that we weren't really ready to ask, but my friends were all asking of LaSalle and prep. And I was like, I guess I got to do this. Like I'm pretty good at football at the time. I thought I was a basketball guy. And I sent him an email and he got back to me like, no players bigger than the team. If you want to come here, come, but I'm not going to recruit you. I'm like, what? I didn't even ask to get recruited. I just want to come watch practice. So I was like, all right, here we go. I'm going to Wood. So it happened overnight, and wow. uh, it was the best decision I ever made. So in a long story short, I'm from Doylestown. I went to Cold Spring Elementary, Holly Kong Middle School, and played for the CYO uh, Mount Carmel Romans. Okay. Well, the, that's the reason I ask, because I went to Mount Carmel. I did fifth, sixth, seventh, and eighth grade at Mount Carmel, which is the longest I ever spent in a school. So to answer your question, uh, four years. Uh, the answer to answer your question, uh, I was born in Ambler, Pennsylvania, which for those that don't know is about 45 minutes north of Philadelphia. Um, I grew up for the most part in Doylestown as well. Went to Our Lady of Mount Carmel, went to Archbishop Wood, went to Temple. But uh, my dad was in pharmaceuticals, uh, marketing and sales and all that stuff. So we moved around quite a bit. We were in Rochester, New York for uh, preschool and both my years of kindergarten. And uh, then uh, we Mark, moved. <laughs> I wish I did that. I would have been a pterodactyl as a senior. Like, like the whole entire Archidiacono family, cats out of the bag there. That whole, they're all, they're all a year. They're all a little oh, older. What? Oh my goodness. Great. Well, I did not have that athletic ability. So they should have held me back maybe 
10 years. Um, but yeah, uh, so I did all that. And then we lived in Rochester, New York. We moved to uh, Baltimore. We lived in like a place called Dundalk, <laughs> uh, Baltimore area uh, for a year. Then we lived just outside. Baltimore. We lived like an hour away from Baltimore, but still in Pennsylvania. We lived in a, a place called New Freedom, which is literally right there on the Mason-Dixon line. We were there for three years, and then we moved to Doylestown, and I pretty much grew up there. And Good I place. lived in I lived in Philly proper for most of my adult life up until about two months ago. And we we made the move to the suburbs, the wife and I, and our two kids. I have a daughter, Emanuela, who's three, and then Leonardo, my son, who's one. So um, we uh, we just made the move, my friend. We just made the move. Look at you, man, just growing up and getting old. So you, you go from Ward, why Temple? Uh, I Everyone in Philly media went to Temple. And I was like, I guess that's where I'll go because that's what I want to do. And I remember I went to the Ambler campus for two years. Again, originally from Ambler, I wanted to kind of have that reconnection with you know my, my father's hometown, my hometown that I barely got to know. Uh, when my fam, when my father's family came to America, which was only my grandparents were very young in our American years in my family, um, I wanted to like really experience the town. When they came over from Italy, they stayed, they they put roots down in Ambler, so I wanted to experience some of that. Uh, so I went to Temple Ambler, and they also had like no holes barred when it came to the radio station. It was a hundred percent student run. There was like one faculty overseer, and they stopped by every once in a while. And then there was a, a dean a dean down the hall from us that was just very supportive of everything the students wanted to do. So I went to Temple Amber for two years. I worked at uh, 1610 WRFT, Temple Ambler's only radio station. And I did that for, oh. yeah, yeah. I actually did radio at that station for four, all four years. I did a sports show with my buddy, Mike Lanza, um, who was in, the, was in the radio business for a time with uh, Wire 96.5 in Philly. Um, and I did all that and I, I loved it and I just knew the opportunities would be there afterwards as well. And I knew they were on the cutting edge of a lot of great things in terms of online radio, in terms of the radio, the physical radio station itself. And I just knew that if I went to Temple, I would have great connections in the city. And that all turned out to be to be true. And I graduated with good grades, not great grades by any means, but I, I just had a willingness to work hard and my teachers liked me, and I did well in my major, uh, which was broadcasting, telecommunications, and mass media at Temple. And um, yeah, then just uh, started uh, started in the radio business the the week after I graduated. I want to say, yeah, I think it was a week after is when it started. Yeah, you said that I knew I wanted to get into radio. I wanted to get into media broadcasting. When did you know that? What age? And what draw you to you know this this crazy world? <laughs> I remember. Um, listening to when we just moved back to Doylestown or back to the Philly area, I should say, I, we were coming back from Baltimore and the Baltimore fans, at least what I was exposed to at the time, this is pre Ravens. Okay. The Orioles were not a good baseball team, but Baltimore loved their baseball team, right? They love their, they love their new ballpark. They love their baseball team. The Baltimore fan at the time that I was exposed to was more – I compare fan bases to parents, like nurturing mothers and strict fathers. Philly is a strict father. I identify with a strict father, okay? Not that my father was overly strict or anything, but I just I, – I can identify to that more than to the you know, overbearing, nurturing mother that's like, oh, you lost? Here's a juice box and an orange peel. We'll get them tomorrow. You know, My mom wasn't like that, but that for me was not what I could identify with. 
the more strict parent I could identify with. And I fell in love with that attitude of Philadelphia. And I remember listening to the radio before. Um, I remember it was after mass at Our Lady of Mount Carmel. And we were on our way to, this is such a Doylestown thing. We were on our way to Perkins after yes. church. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Right in the and, Kmart shopping center. <laughs> exactly. So Exactly. And um, we were on our way to Perkins. I remember we were listening to the pregame show. And I just remember hearing the crowd before an Eagles-Cowboys game. And the crowd chanting, Dallas sucks. Dallas sucks. Anyone that rooted for Dallas, they suck. Everybody sucks. It's great. And I just remember thinking, I need to be in the middle of that. Like, I want to – that. that is where I need to be. I swear I was about – 11 years old, 10 years old, 11 years old at the time. And I thought that's where I need to be. Um, so I remember thinking that. And then literally 11 years later, I was in the middle of it at the tailgate, at the tent show, at the pregame show, in the middle of all the craziness, um, helping uh, the radio station put on the pregame show at the time. And I just remember like looking around and be like, this is exactly how I imagined it when I was 11 years old. Do you do it all the right way the entire time? Like I always tell myself, like, I'm going to write the book of how to make it and do it all wrong. Oh, you know, like that, that would be the title of if I ever had to write a book about myself. Um, right, right, right. I mean, I've made a lot of great decisions in my life. Don't get me wrong, but you know, <laughs> some of them weren't so great and it worked out okay. You know, it's a, kind of a loaded question, but why do you think you found yourself in the middle of it all, 11 years later, because I've had the same moments. Like, I'm, right. on, I'm on, we're playing the Minnesota Vikings. It's 2020. I haven't found any footing in this league. I'm in the AAF. I'm in the XFL. And I look down on my feet, and I look up, and it's third and one, uh, second and, or what was it? I was in three straight plays. It was three straight run plays. We're trying to run the clock out, kick a field goal, and win. We end up losing in Minnesota. Crazy. And I played three straight plays. And then that moment of time, I was one of 32 tight ends in the league playing on the football field. The only tight end on the field for us, I was like, oh, my God, it like hit me like a ton of bricks. So, <laughs> uh, you know, that was my moment. You know, 11 years later, I'm on the Romans football field, and I'm like, I'm going to play in the NFL, Mom. And then here I am in Minnesota, the same thing. But my question to you is, why do you think that happened? How did it happen? Um, well, I think it's obvious, uh, Colin. I'm awesome, uh, and you're awesome, too. Other people were. <laughs> no, I, um, I just was willing to work. I mean, that's the thing that a lot of people overlook. It's like, I hate the, you know, the, it's cliche, but the, you see the motivational posters with like, you know, the just the tip of the iceberg and then what's underneath it. And it's like up here is success and then down here is the work. You know, the work always, always comes before the success. I mean, sometimes you might trip into something with dumb luck, but even then you got to work to keep whatever you got. Um so for me, I just was willing to work. I mean, in my family, we always talk about, um, you know, you might meet people that are better than you at certain things, but you can never meet anyone that is willing to work harder than you. Like, that's got to be the way it's got to go. Um, and that's kind of how I've lived my life, whether that be on the professional side or the personal side of things. And if you ask me the question, why was I able to to, to go into radio, I go into TV and then do what I'm doing now. It's because I was willing to work. That's the number one thing. And then after that, you have to have talent for people to notice you and say, okay, not only is he willing to work, but he's also got some talent. So let's see what he's got. Um, so I, I think the number one reason isn't really as much as the decisions. Cause we all make bad decisions. We all make mistakes. Um, but it's a, it's a matter of how you're going to roll with those mistakes, how you're going to roll with those punches. 
And if you're willing to outwork anybody, you can go really far. I mean, they always talk about how 90% of success is just showing up. You know, the 10% might be talent after that. But for me, I just knew I was going to show up every day. I was going to work my ass off. I wasn't going to care about money. I would work other jobs if I had to work. I, I was a basketball referee. I was a landscaper. Uh, I worked a bunch of other jobs away from the radio because at the time in radio, you're only getting paid for like maybe 50 bucks to work an event where you go to a bar to hand out t-shirts and maybe you're lucky to get an event like that a week. And then if you make your way up to like a producer, maybe you'll get paid back in my day. It was like $8 an hour and it was for four hours of work. And that's what you were going to get a day. And that's before taxes. Um, and they expect you to base your whole life around those four hours. Um, so I was willing to take the hits, work wherever else I could uh, in order to make ends meet. And and that's what I did. A lot of people aren't willing to do that. A lot of people aren't willing. I mean, it's not just about working hard. It's also about the sacrifice. You got to be willing to make the sacrifice as well. And then pay attention to not only your mistakes, but I paid attention to other people's mistakes at the same time. So I thought if I did that, I'd learn twice as fast because it wasn't just about me messing up. It was about watching somebody else mess up and go, okay, I won't do that either. Like I remember one guy showed up late one day and I just remember he got a eviscerate like he got destroyed by the bosses and i remember thinking all right two minutes late is still really late so never be late um stuff like that so i think work hard the whole dedication thing is a big deal and then making sure you're learning from your mistakes and other people's as well as i think is is why i'm able to now independently do a podcast do a web show uh do what i do for the jacob media network as well and still be able to have a foot in the door of the uh, the great business that is sports broadcasting. Do you miss doing radio or you enjoy this kind of freedom of being by yourself? <sighs> this <laughs> this is the great – I feel like, Colin, I literally feel like I like you're doing this, I'm doing this. I feel like we have the first tickets to the greatest rock show ever. Like I think we have the – or the greatest – whatever, the movie, the greatest movie ever. I feel like we got the first pair of tickets to it because I, a lot of people that I know are still in that business and that's a great business and there's nothing against that business. But if you're telling me I can support my family by saying my opinions into the air in my home, yeah, then you're not beating that gig. This is the greatest gig. This is the best gig. And all, and at the same time, you're your own boss, and people come to you to offer you more things. This is this is phenomenal. Like one of the things I didn't like about the linear media, whether that be TV or radio, was like you're you're owned essentially. Like your 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 talent is is owned you're a part of this one group in this business being independent you could do whatever the hell you damn well please and that's what i love about this i have the attention span of a gnat which is probably why i went to kindergarten twice so doing something why like you're this, successful too <laughs> yeah right i can't focus on one thing you should literally see the house we just bought one room's half painted another room like one wall is painted it's ridiculous but anyway um but for me uh i just love though. Yeah, right. <laughs> exactly. Still standing. Yeah. Uh, but for me, it's all about um, just being able to enjoy it and and having fun. And I did the radio thing. I had a, I had a great time in radio. Uh, I, I had my fill, um, uh, realized I couldn't go any further at one radio station, got a job in TV, pursued that, got a job at another radio station. That didn't end the way I would have liked it, uh, liked it, liked for it to have ended. But then this world that we're in right now is incredible. Like I grew up in a world where there was two stations uh, or two really, or maybe three outlets, including print, that you could be in the sports media. Now it's, you start your own website, you start your own show, you start your own podcast. 
And guess what you're doing? You're a talk show host. You're you're hiring yourself essentially, and you're doing things to really help you in your career. So for me, I love this format. It's great relationship building too, because you have to establish relationships, reestablish relationships, because you're your own boss, right? The marketing side of it, right? The, every it's it's a blast. It's fun. It leads to some challenges, at least some things you probably don't really want to do. At least in my opinion, the back office stuff. I just want to rip it and roar, right? Um, is radio dead? I think so. You know, I I just for me, everybody gets in your car, and back in the day, I would rush. To put on whatever Mike right. missed to put on what you know, it was funny. We were I was listening to Harry and Jason on Ajis the other day, our show had not for long, and they were talking about the Marcus Mariota situation uh -huh. and how their former boss would, I mean, hold a gun to their head. And I remember those days of like, man, this is just so redundant. But we, you know, we were it was the only thing to listen to at the time. There's some podcast like. And I want to hear sports. It was like, right? Could you do the deal, Marcus right. Mariota? Like that. I was remember. Yeah, it's chaos. So, you know, it's funny for me. I don't know. I just don't pop on my car, and I have no desire to listen to sports talk radio. Personally, I have no desire to listen to radio music because I can pick what I want in my car. Or if I don't like something, I can pick something new and try something different and Spotify. And I mean, there's so many other things pulling things away from radio. So I think if it's not dead, it's on its way to dying. I think how we know it is dying. Like, I think, I honestly think radio, and I don't know how they do this. And I got no, I got nothing bad to say uh, about anybody in radio and, and all that stuff. Like, I know ill will, love everybody and all that stuff, but I think there has to be a change. Like it was all AM sports talk radio for a long time. Now some now, now some cars don't even have AM anymore in the car. Like you can't even get the AM band. Um, FM was a great transition for radio. Now I think radio needs to take a page out of the podcast book. And you have to have shorter stop sets. You have to be more on demand, which they have done. Now you can listen to a downloaded podcast version of the radio, which has been that way for years. But I think radio has to make a change in their stop sets, how they present the commercials, how they present sponsors. And I think they need to take a page out of a podcast and how they do it so that they can continue to have a long TSL because the time spent listening for those that don't know the radio jargon for the TSL, that's all a podcast is. I mean, time spent listening is a radio salesman or program director's fantasy. To have a podcast audience hold the way a pod podcast audience holds. So for me, I think if radio shifts to that, they'll draw in more audience. They'll keep the people they have now, and they'll draw in more if they go to more to that format. Some stations do it for you know the the, the power hour or whatever it might be, you know. Um, but if you do more of that throughout a station with sprinkled in commercials, not like a eight minute stop set then I think radio will be just fine and dandy. But then it also does go with more particular things like WIP, for instance, is just ingrained in Philadelphia. Like that, It would be really hard for WIP to just go away. Somebody will find a way to make money off those call letters, that talent at the station. And also, by the way, having the broadcast rights to the Eagles, having the broadcast rights to the Phillies. Those are, those are things that make it um, – unstoppable an unstoppable powerhouse more or less so yep. that for me will will help keep that business alive 
It's an interesting business. Yeah, I love the radio play-by-play. That's the one thing that holds on to me is I love listening to baseball on the radio. I've done football play-by-play before, uh, and that's an absolute blast, too. So I do really enjoy that. Mm-hmm. All right, let's have some fun. Let's let's talk some Philly sports. And we don't really talk a lot of Philly sports on this show because – What? My show. Because <laughs> it's just not me. You I know, understand. Like, I, I Listen, you could turn into Mark's show. I hope you listen if you're a Philly sports fan. <laughs> You know, you're not listening to this for Philly Sparks. We have just a broad base from the teams I played for, traveling. Yeah, of course, there's Philly people, Kate May. There's a lot of that. But you get that already. Listening to Mike Gill and listening to Mark Farzetta and listening to all these guys all over, whether you're down at AC or you're in Philly. So we talk a little little bit about everything. I sounded off last week on our show. Well, this week, but last week while you're listening to this. People were freaking out about Philly losing all these people. And I want you to get me right here or wrong. (laughs) Because the Eagles are losing all these free agents. Every team loses free agents every single year. And especially where the how the roster is built for a lot of one and dones. And also because of last year, because of where the cap were, a lot of players were signing prove-it deals. The entire league was signing prove-it deals. We didn't know where the cap was going to go. Well, now the cap's going up, and this is the opportunity for players to cash in. You see some players like, Local Redding kid, Alex Anzalone, who signed a one-year deal with Detroit from New Orleans, following Dan Campbell from New Orleans, he signed a three-year deal. You see some people signing another one-year prove-a-deal, like a Garner Johnson, because the number wasn't what they wanted it to be. But my point is, there's now a lot of money on the table that was not there last year. I think people don't understand that. And players, contrary to popular belief, have to put the money away because the league is a short-lived place and you have to make your money while you can. So I just think it's very frustrating to me as a player, media, whatever. I'm watching. I'm saying, hey, calm down. I thought you were telling me everyone trusts Howie Roseman. I think you should. You have multiple draft picks because of it. You trade for the one of the best receivers in the NFL last year at the beginning of the draft. So the, the opportunities are endless. You know he's going to make a move. You know they're going to draft well. So I don't understand the freak out. Correct me if I'm wrong, but to me, I thought it was an overaction by Philly fans and <laughs> Philly sports media because, oh, they're losing X amount of starters and they lost their top five tacklers. I said it on my show. There's 90 players in the in the room to start training camp. You turn around, the 45 of them weren't there last year. Every single roster is that way, whether it's the top players or the bottom players. There's 45 new faces. I just think a little bit overaction by Philly media and fans. Uh, it's the, I don't know what it is. I think the NFL, because the NFL is what pays the bills, um, for a lot of either radio stations, podcasts, whatever it might be. Um, yeah, players, you know, uh, I think people tend to overreact. They have knee jerk reactions in the NFL, I think more so than they have in any other sport. And I don't know exactly why the reason is maybe because there is such a definitive time that. They're tampering, there's tampering, then they're signing, uh, and then guys are shopping and testing the market, and then you have another slew of signings and all that stuff. I don't know why it is, but the NFL really captures the imagination of a lot of people and the attention of a lot of people when it comes to the free agent uh, free agency. As far as Howie Roseman goes, though, as a general manager, the thing is you gotta you have to be patient. The Eagles can all of a sudden not have Javon Hargrave, for instance, and he goes to San Francisco. You can't lose your mind that all of a sudden now the Eagles aren't going to have any defensive linemen. 
Next thing you know, they re-sign Fletcher Cox to another year uh, for $10 million. Next thing you know, they go and get two linebackers or they get a linebacker when you have TJ Edwards going uh, you know, elsewhere. It's it's a difficult thing to try to keep track of, but you can't just jump in and say, oh, the Eagles suck now because they let these guys go. No, you have to allow the opportunity for the Eagles to make other signings, which they have. James Bradbury might not be back. Well, now he's back. Darius Slay might not be back. Oh, now he's back. Chauncey Garner-Johnson. All right, fine. See you later. Uh, Fletcher Cox, who I already mentioned, Jason Kelsey, Brandon Graham, all these guys are still here in Philadelphia. You can't jump to conclusions after one day of free agency, and I know a lot of people still do that. You can't jump to conclusions after day two either. You still have the draft in front of you, and then after that, you know what else you have? You still have you, have, you still have other free agents you could bring in. You have other trades you trades. can make. Yeah, oh. there's a lot to go. I mean, Howie Roseman got AJ Brown on draft day with one of their first round picks. Oh, and, and he also people, got Jordan Davis. Exactly, and there's people saying, "Oh." I saw somebody on my Twitter feed pop up. They're not a playoff team right now. What? <laughs> Come who, on, is, who is a Eagles team. fan? I didn't, I'm not an Eagles fan. I'm just a realist. Like, right. I'm like, oh, you're from Philly. No. Yeah, I am, of course. But I'm not. My mom's best friend from high school, Tim Lewis, who's from Penn Ridge. I And Will Lewis and Lewis Reddick, they were all my mom's great friends. I followed them. We went to games. I was in locker rooms. I met Jerome Bettis and Cordell Stewart in Pittsburgh. Like, I went to see the giant Super Bowl parade. Like, that's what I was exposed to. Of course, we're right. Eagles supporters. My mom's in retail in the area. So when the Eagles win, everyone's happy. They go spend money. <laughs> so my point is we're Eagle supporters. And my uncles and aunts and friends and cousins are diehards, right? But, like, I think I give a pretty unbiased opinion about the team. And I think they're one of the best teams in the NFL. I thought the yeah. NFC Championship game between them, the Niners and them, that's the two best teams. I think you yeah. can argue they're still better than Kansas City team. Now, Kansas City's loaded, of course. Yeah. But, and it's no disrespect to them and their GM. They've been, they've, they're, yeah, they've, they've crushed it. Yeah. They crushed it. But I don't know, man. I just, I was like, what the heck? And again, listen, it pays bills. I get it. You got to be reactionary. But I was, whoa. <laughs> Here's the thing this is amazing. And, and Kyle, you, you experienced this as well. Howie Roseman, took the Chip Kelly Eagles, all right, after he lit a match to Philadelphia generational talents like LaShawn McCoy and Deshaun Jackson, all right, after he moved on from those guys abruptly. Oh, and Nick Foles for Sam Bradford. He lit a match to the franchise. Howie Rosen was told, go hang out in the janitor's closet, as the old joke goes. Comes back, gets the job again, to have final say over the front office, over football decisions. Two years later, they're in a Super Bowl. Okay, five years after that, with a new head coach and new starting quarterback, they're back in the Super Bowl. And it looks like you're going to have a perennial MVP candidate at quarterback in Jalen Hurts. For anyone that wants to say the Eagles aren't a playoff team, the, the, the NFL is all about quarterback play. All right. It's all about quarterback play. Jalen Hurts is the type of quarterback that makes you think you have a chance to win. No matter what, if you're in the fourth quarter, you're down two touchdowns. Well, Jalen Hurts is a quarterback. You still have a chance. That's what it really comes down to. It's a team game. It's the ultimate team game. We all know that. But the biggest push-come-to-shove moment is how your quarterback is going to play. Jalen Hurts is incredible to me. And, yes, he is going to be a guy that hopefully won't have to be the, the strongest deodorant in the world if you do have a bad offseason and you aren't ready to go into the regular season and you're not ready to win football games. I think he could be a pretty strong deodorant, but hopefully he only has to be regular strength and not like maximum strength deodorant. All right. 48 hour. 48 hour coverage with degree. You know, which never um, works. I mean, shout out to degree, but come on. What? 48 <laughs> well, hours. Worked. 
It works for me, Colin, because I don't work out. It might not work for you because you work out. <laughs> no, it's interesting. The Jalen Hurts stuff, another thing that upset me too, again, because I follow all this Philly media. All my friends. Right. I follow players on the team. I play with Hassan Reddick. I play with Sean Bradley. Um, so people really thought that Jalen Hurts wasn't going to be a franchise quarterback, which I thought was a comical, especially last offseason. Yeah. Like, you think that guy doesn't work hard? There's Trust me, I play with a lot of players in the NFL that do not work really hard they may work hard maybe certain times a year and there's nothing wrong with that guys make a living they're healthier everyone has their process it's, i'm not coming to any player right but that player you don't squat six seven hundred pounds for, it's like that doesn't just happen overnight <laughs> so you don't think he's going to work on his deep ball you don't think like you don't think that guy's going to improve i think people forget that too from a fan's perspective is these guys are working like look at lane johnson hall of famer Talk about mm -hmm. work. Chip Kelly drafted him, which is crazy. Right. That was a long time ago. And that's what I mean by that. Like that guy, oh, it's been it. And you say quarterback, but I think the Eagles really have invested in the right two positions, offense and defensive line, period. I mean, sure. And and they, I mean, they have changed the NFL with the way they draft offensive linemen. I mean, Pryor's a starter. You got guys, you know, uh uh who's in who's in Detroit. I liked him too, the O lineman that was what they left the Eagles. I forgot. Oh. Oh, Isaac Sayamalo. Yeah, he was a good player. Yeah. No, no, Sayamalo. No, Vitae. Oh, he went to Pittsburgh. Sorry, Halapulavati Vitae. Yeah. That's a good player. I mean, there's like a lot yeah. of guys. So Super Bowl. He started, he started at left tackle for the Eagles in the Super Bowl because Peters was out. Yeah, and then Jason Peters was like still playing. Had uh, <laughs> the Cowboys offensive lineman on on our, the same owner show. And uh, he just raved about Peters as a human <laughs> and just a legend. Uh I digress. We don't talk a lot of basketball on my show. Ooh, I'm not an bring NBA it. fan. Bring I'm it. not an NBA fan. I just think it's a bore fest. The guys are too good, and you can't find <laughs> you can't be physical. You can't. Uh, you can't until the playoffs. It's like, I don't, again, I'm not saying they should beat the hell out of each other. It's basketball. And I'm not saying it should be like Dennis Rodman, like killing somebody when they go to the rim. I, I think that's a little extreme. Yeah. But I think you can't play defense. You're going to get it. You're going to get a foul call against you. You're going to go to the line. It's a slow game. It's a lot of one-on-one. -on -one. They're playing music. Like why a guy's like crossing the guy up at the top of the key and he shoots a fadeaway jumper and it just goes in, right? 65% yeah. of the time now. <laughs> You're so gifted. Like you watch college basketball and these kids are running around like nut jobs. They're fouling. It's physical. There's altercations. It's arguments. I that, that attracts me. That's okay. whatever it is. It's nothing to do with the NBA, but professional basketball turns me off. Okay. I changed the subject now to can the Sixers win <laughs> the title? Uh, they can. Uh, I feel the best I've felt in a while about the Sixers, first off, making it out of the second round of the playoffs. Now, let's just talk about this for a second. Let's marinate on this for a second. So the Sixers uh, lose in game seven. Of the Eastern Conference of the Eastern Conference semifinals, so the second round of the playoffs, to so the Boston Celtics with Andre Iguodala, Andre Miller, Drew Holiday. Okay, the heyday, baby, the heyday. Then a year later, they start the process. The process happens. You go through four, three god awful years, one really bad year, and then you 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 have Joel Embiid playing. You have Ben Simmons. You have it starts to have the ups. You have Jimmy Butler here, but still the the Sixers. Can't make it out of the second round of the playoffs. They haven't been out of the second round of the playoffs since Allen Iverson was playing. Allen Iverson was playing for him, and then they went up against the Lakers and lost in the finals. 
So it's been a long time and a long, arduous road from Shout the beginning of the Grouchy. Shout out to Pat Grouchy. It's been a long road. I think this is the year, especially if the Sixers are, are able to get the second playoff seed where they could get out of the second round of the playoffs. Also, James Harden is having one of his best years of his career right now in Philadelphia, leading the league in assists. Joel Embiid's le- leading the league in points per game. So those two stars are getting it done in the manner in which they need to get it done for this team to go to the next level. Now let's go beyond that. A guy like Tyrese Maxey has stepped up well this year. He's been streaky, but right now he's on the upswing. Uh, So right now, hopefully he keeps it at that level. Tobias Harris has been a good, decent 3ND guy. I wish he'd be a little bit more 3D and go to the lane guy. He has that capability, but he's a good enough player to have there. P.J. Tucker hasn't – we haven't seen playoff P.J. Tucker yet. That's what I think you'll really start to see him as close to the contract that the Sixers signed him to, that three-year deal, again, all guaranteed money for P.J. Tucker. And I think playoff P.J. Tucker will be a great asset to the team. Now off the bench, a guy like De'Anthony Melton can get hot from three like he did the other night against the Bulls. Hopefully he does it again against the Bulls uh, because they were the time we taped this, we're in between a home-and-home series with the Sixers and the Bulls. But the Sixers had the toughest schedule in the second half of the season, I should say post-All-Star break. The Sixers had the toughest schedule, 26 games left after the All-Star game, toughest schedule in the NBA. The Sixers are, at the time we tape this, 10-4 and four in that stretch. They have been playing great basketball. Joel Embiid has played. I've never seen Joel Embiid get as good towards the end of a year as he has gotten. If they continue to do that, they will absolutely make it out of the second round of the playoffs. So get the number two seed. Continue this high play, and then only ha- they only get the number two seed if they continue to play the way they've been playing, and they make it out of the second round if they're able to do all that. Before we wrap things up, I want to move to the rest of the teams here. We've talked sure. Eagles. We've talked Sixers. I want to bring up Temple basketball. Oh, Temple Hoops fans, sad what happened to Aaron McKee because we all wanted it to work, right? There's no secret. Uh, Sixer, Temple legend. It's great story. They beat Houston this year, number one team in the country. You're like praying they sneak in. I didn't watch a ton of the games, I'll be honest with you, but things went wrong. Yeah. My opinion, there's one person you call. Oh, uh, can I have a guess? You can have a guess. There's one person that's perfect for the job. Is it Dawn Staley? Ding. It's Dawn <laughs> Staley. I, if I'm the AD at Temple, <clears throat> Mrs. Staley, you're from North Philly. You went to Dobbins. You went, you you had an amazing WNBA career, an Olympic career. You coached at Temple. You've won national championships. Big paydays. Can't pay you that much here, but big paydays. Great times. Great memories. Come be the first woman to be a men's basketball coach at the Division One level. What say you, Mark Farsetta? I, I am a thousand billion percent for it. I don't know if it'll happen. I don't know if Temple makes that call. I don't know if Dawn Staley would be interested in that job before she might, I don't know, jump from college to the uh, pros maybe. Um, I think what took a hit for that idea of a woman coaching in the NBA was Becky Hammond going to the WNBA on that huge contract. That's a great opportunity. It's a great thing for her, and I'm I'm very happy for her. I was slightly disappointed because I thought she would be the first female head coach in the NBA. Maybe it does need to happen at the NCAA level first before it happens in the pros. Uh, but I can think of nobody better 
to take on Temple's program than than Don Staley. I think of nobody from a woman's perspective that would do better in that role than Don Staley. I have seen uh, a story out there about the, the uh, Temple being interested in Sixers assistant coach Sam Cassell. I think Sam Cassell has his heart set on being an NBA head coach, so I don't know if he's going to take a, a, a job at the college level. And I think it might be a little far-fetched because he is so close. But if he even did get the job at Temple, Sam Cassell, I think the NBA is going to be on the phone with him in a year or two anyway. So I don't think that would be a lot of staying power with Sam Cassell. But as far as Don Staley goes, I'm all for it. I think she's ready for it. Not only do I think she's ready for it, I think that the I think college basketball would look at her as the perfect person to fit in to that spot, and I think she would have success there. I couldn't agree more. I think it'd be perfect for North Broad Street. It'd be perfect for Temple. I think she galvanizes people. I think she's a tremendous leader. And really, to me, it's like, okay, great. It's a separate male, female. Just separate it. Who's had a ton of success? Who loves Temple? That's it. It has nothing to do with, you know, she's a, a basketball coach. Or he's To me, who could Temple hire? That may be an attractive situation for her or maybe an assistant coach or a lower-level coach, and you pray that you can land one of them. I would have grabbed one of the really good coaches out of the March Madness situation, uh, the guy at, you know, uh, who went on Diona now that Rick Pitino left. Uh, what's right. his name? I can't remember, but, yeah, I know what you mean, yeah. But, uh, from up in uh, New York there. God, forget. Okay, moving on. We're not going to talk about the Flyers. Next, no. <laughs> for me, Flyers, if you want to touch on it, they're a mess. There's no direction. Um, I think Danny Breyer is the guy to hire. I know it's like, oh, I'll get rid of the old regime. I don't think he's a part of the old regime. The old regime is the guys that won Stanley Cups back in the 70s. Right. Uh, he's not a part of that. This is a guy that went back to school. I learned this all from Jason Bertitis when he was talking about it on IGs. This is a guy who went back to Penn Business School to learn more when he doesn't have to. He's already got plenty of hockey knowledge. He went down to lower levels, was GM, ran buildings. I think he's perfect for the youth movement. He was a goal scorer himself. He values, he seems like an aggressive kind of, fun young guy so it's tough what do you do do you tank well they didn't tank this year even though they're looking like they're going to get a top five pick which is great get into bedard sweepstakes but what say you about the flyers man it's a bummer it's really probably the most pure cultish fan base in philly it, it absolutely is uh, without without question and the thing with me and Danny Briere, I love that he has the job right now as the interim. I think I think it's the obvious thing to say that they will remove at some point that interim tag probably shortly after the season, and they'll they'll have him to help guide them the rest of the way and and hopefully start this rebuild. I know no one wants to hear about a rebuild. I know everyone wants to use the term retool. Um, how about this term? Blow it up. Blow it the hell up. Please and thank you. I'm glad John Tortorella is here as your head coach. I don't know how much longer he'll be here if it is a total blow up and rebuild and all that stuff. But one thing that I like about John Tortorella is that I know, and Danny Briere, because knowing him as a player, the thing I miss the most about Ed Snyder is that I knew there was somebody in the upper echelon of the team that gave a damn as much as I did as a fan. And I grew up a huge Flyers fan. This Flyers team is the most unrecognizable unrecognizable Flyers team from the Flyers history in my lifetime that I've ever seen. There have been worse teams, but we're talking about a captainless Flyers team. You can tell me about Sean Couturier's injury all you want. If he was healthy, he'd be the captain. Fine. They're a captainless team. Their television network that airs the games in Philly didn't even hire a hockey studio host until like 20 games into the season. So... That, by the way, who owns the the TV? It also owns the Flyers. So what the hell does that tell you? For me, 
everything is wrong with this team. There are certain glimmers of hope with some guys that are thought of as young guys that aren't that young anymore. Carter Hart sure show, still shows a lot of promise. This Flyers team is right now, and it pains me to say it, they're a rudderless ship. You're not bad enough to get one of the top players. You're not good enough to really compete for a Stanley Cup. So that just tells me it's time to tear it down because this has been a really, really tough run for me as a Flyers fan. I was at the Stanley Cup Finals in 2010. I was at the game that Patrick Kane had the phantom goal, you know. And uh, I love that I always get clicks from people in Chicago whenever I mention it. Did that goal even go in? You know, that it went in. I understand. But it's such a heartbreaking thing to think about 2010 as the last glimmer of hope for this Flyers team and where we are right now. It seems like they just don't have a direction. I think Danny Briere, though, is the guy to give this team that direction and at least give us an idea that the, I won't say glory days of the 70s, but at least the very competitive days of the the 80s and the, the, the late 90s and the mid to late 90s and, and in the early 2000s, they'll at least give us that chip of competitiveness that we have missed so much with this Flyers team where any year, any year could be the year for the Flyers to finally win the game. It's really good stuff. You've just absolutely killed the breakdown there. I completely agree. <laughs> I think the one thing I'm a huge hockey's my escape. So I listen to like spitting chicklets and missing curfew and all these different hockey podcasts. That's like my escape from football. And the one thing they talk about is culture is not the same about Ed Steiner. And that's what bothers me is former players. They don't feel as comfortable. Current players aren't as comfortable from this is what the shows and different people say for me just listening over the years. So yeah, that's what bugs me out and concerns me with what's going on there. Okay, wrap up the Phillies. I mean, come on. Amazing year last year. Okay, regular season. Amazing playoff run. What a treat, <laughs> what a treat that was. Mm. And then last night, the World Baseball Classic. I mean, the Phillies were the story the whole the whole time. And you're not, I mean, you're missing arguably the best player in the world and Bryce Harper, probably the best player in the world. So what are your thoughts on the Phillies, man? I'm really excited for this season. Love, absolutely love the Phillies. You, you talk about their one, two, three, four, maybe five punch later in the season when you just talk about their rotation. Love Taiwan Walker uh, uh, being signed uh, to be your third or fourth starter in this rotation behind Ranger Suarez, maybe maybe just in front, but behind Aaron Nola and behind Zach Wheeler, those your 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 rotation is pretty much set. We'll see who gets that fifth starter job. Probably Bailey Falter at this point, but I hope Andrew Painter on the mend uh, is able to pitch for the Phillies this year. Dave Dombrowski said as much uh, a couple days ago. So we'll see what happens there. Then the lineup is the star of the show. To get the news recently that Bryce Harper will most likely be back in May and not the all-star break that we thought originally is incredible. So now, if I'm drawing up the lineup, Trey Turner, who I have to call Captain America now for his World, World Baseball Classic performance, you have Trey Turner leading things off, Kyle Schwarber, then then in May probably Bryce Harper batting uh, third for you, JT Real Muto, Reese Hoskins, whoever, and hopefully Nick Castellanos, maybe Alec Bohm, who's hitting bombs in spring training now. Maybe he's rounding out the, uh, the top four of your order there, but this lineup is going to rake. Kyle Schwarber, with his 40-plus home runs last year, Imagine him doing that out of the two-hole with a runner already on first base and a runner on first base named Trey Turner who can steal second with great regularity with a guy who's got great speed that can go first to third, that can score if you put it, uh, can score from first base if you put it into the gap for a double. This is an incredible thing the Phillies have going for them in their lineup. And I know it's baseball and you always talk about on paper and every single sport with a great offseason, you can talk about what it looks like on paper. Well, how about this? 
on paper, these guys were looking pretty damn good last year, and they made it into the World Series. And they didn't have Bryce Harper for, what, two months, three months last year? The finish. And then they got him back. The finish. And then they actually had him uh, carry them into the playoffs and then carry them in the in the postseason as well. This lineup is dangerous. This pitching staff is dangerous. This bullpen will – bullpen's always a crapshoot. I've seen the Phillies load up on bullpen guys before, and everybody sucks. But this time around, it could come to fruition. Last year, towards the end of the year, it certainly came to fruition. So I have high hopes, no pun intended, for this Phillies team to go deep into the playoffs again, possibly even making another and winning a World Series for the organization. That stadium in the playoffs, there's no place like it on the planet. Four hours of hell. Four hours of hell, according to some unnamed uh, opposing manager. That Now with the pitch clock, it's probably only like two and a half, three hours of hell. But hell Uh, nonetheless. It's great stuff. Mark Farzetta, guys, check out his show. He'll have no coffee for you, but he's going to have plenty of juice. (laughs) What do you got, Mark? I got my espresso. I, I killed it before we started the interview. By the way, if you're going to keep, did you keep, are you keeping in the beginning of the interview where I was talking about to. everything I spilled? Because midway through this interview, I spilled an entire souvenir cup of 76, 76ers souvenir cup, right? I had spilled the whole thing of water all over my desk. It's a miracle. I didn't just like go like black. The screen just went black. Um, it's a miracle that didn't happen. Wow. <laughs> That, this is an Archbishop Boyd in Temple Education, folks. Except I didn't spill my water. I just spilled protein shake all over the place. So there we go. Mark Farzetta, I appreciate your uh, mentorship, friendship. Oh, geez. Uh, Please. Support over the years and uh, looking forward to staying in touch and having you back on here soon, bro. Hey, real quick. Who was your coach at Romans when you were playing CYO ball? Tom White. The White family. So you would have been like McCartney days and like those era. Oh, I didn't play. I didn't play for the Romans, but. Tom White's son, Tom White, Whitey. Tom White, Whitey. Yeah, I grew up with him, man. We uh, we graduated. Yeah, him, Matt Lafferty, those guys. Yeah, Lafferty. man. I yeah, yeah, so, I, yeah. Those guys were good athletes, as opposed to me, not a good athlete. Mark Matt Lafferty, who's the guy who played at Ithaca? Uh, it wasn't Matt. I don't think it was Matt because Matt played at Temple. Josh Falsetti. Oh my God, Josh! Oh my God, that's a name. Wow. So Josh Falsetti. Yeah, sure. He played at Ithaca College for a guy by the name of Brian Angelico. Brian Angelico recruited me to Pitt and Rutgers as a tight end coach there. He disappeared into the NFL for years and then became my tight end coach in Carolina for two, and we are now great friends. Oh, my God. And Josh Falicetti travels to one game a year to watch Angelico coach, and Josh Falicetti was at my only touchdown catch because he came to the Bucks game. <laughs> so he was my coach of Malcolm Romans. Oh, my God. Thankfully, I scored that game. They came to I had no idea he was there. And then I saw him at Chop Tank in Annapolis, I don't know, a month ago, <laughs> having beers. And he's like, dude, I was at your game when you scored. And, you know, it was weird. Weird, oh weird my small God. world. That is inc- we have reached the selfish portion of the podca- uh, podcast where Colin and I just name guys we grew up with. Oh, uh, <laughs> no, that's, the, oh, my God, that's is, too funny. That is my following base. So, yeah, is, <laughs> I'm not national. What's like up, that. Whitey? What's up, Whitey? Lafferty? What's up, Josh Felicetti? You bastard! You down. stole the ke- you stole the catcher job from me in my eighth grade, your seventh grade year. Great family saw, though. Great I'm family pissed, though. though. Yeah, I'm not I'm holding eating. a grudge. Well, so I'm eating a penis pizza, mesquite grill, and Ventresca's. Oh, uh, 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 I was just at Ventresca's. I had to get fitted. I hosted the Maxwell Awards. I was back in Ventresca's for the first time since I think my senior year of high school for my prom. And I was always a Nats pizza guy. I go to Nats pizza across the street. See my boy Tim hanging out. 
Yeah, I meant I meant Nats. That's bad knowledge on me. <laughs> what a great town, man. Dole sounds great. It was, man. It was great times. Mark Fal- Mark Bar, not Falsetti. Not Falsetti. Not that. Now, don't you mix me up with his group of Italians. <laughs> From one Italian to another, appreciate you coming on, brother. You gotta act fast cause you know you're gonna die Not to be so blunt, spin when I'm stay a while Feel it in the air, give me fear to the sky And asking for the money, got my honey in the job I'm coming from a time where kids think they're gangsta Talking like a dog, but they're living in New Hampshire I'm the only one playing the game